Hi, everybody, and welcome to another exciting edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. I am delighted, excited, and elated on this episode to be talking with author Adam Nave. Adam, welcome to the show, and thanks for saying yes and coming on. Oh, yeah, no. Fun to be here. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that, and I appreciate the conversation that we've had so far. I can already tell that this is going to be uh, an interesting and wonderful conversation. <laughs> um I- I will admit that most people don't ask me back for a second time. I will leave that to you to figure out why. Um. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I think it's safe to say we we could go ahead and book another episode. I'm ready to commit right now. We're like a you minute say that in. Now. <laughs> I, I'm a, we're a minute in, and I'm I'm already telling you, um, you're you're on safe ground here. Um, so I'll mention a couple of titles and then, uh, of course you can mention anything that I leave out that you'd like to talk about. Uh, first of all, just have to say that I am eager to talk with someone who's worked in the world of Bill and Ted. This would be one title (laughs) that I would absolutely make sure to mention. And and I do look for those, you know, linked and crossover sort of like popular media sort of things. Um, Once in Future Queen being another title, Um, Amelia Cole being uh, one that you've written several volumes of. That is that is the longest comic project to date that me and DJ worked on. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, And then speaking of kind of those shared universes, you've also done some Wonder Woman work and uh, you have worked in the world of prose as well. And uh, always, always interested to talk to folks about the differences between comics oh, and prose and what each allows them to do. Yeah, that's something I have. I also work as an editor in both comics and prose. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's something that I've literally been studying for decades. Just the awesome. differences in the two. Yeah, yeah. Um, so before we dive too far into yeah. those details anything about the path that got you here um anything about the inspiration that led you to the world of authoring and and writing that you would want to share well both my parents worked in publishing um and it's funny because when i started thinking maybe i want to do this stuff too i made sure just the neurotic end of my life i made sure to have nothing to do with them in terms of like a publishing name or anything Mm-hmm. So that I could get no leg up or no help from anyone they knew. I've actually never submitted anything to anyone that either of them knew. Just to keep mm-hmm. my own soul clean. There's nothing wrong with it, you know, but just personal choice. Um, but I grew up in a household of, you read books, you read comics. You know, my father loved comics too. And so it was just kind of always floating around that thing of, well, this is a thing you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the people create these things. They don't just magically appear. And so, yeah, I, I kind of always wanted to, and I started working on prose and kind of always wanted to work on comics, but it is way harder, especially when you're a kid, to figure out comics if you have zero art ability. Everyone can learn to draw, but you have to have that dedication mm-hmm. to specifically art, and I just don't, um, which leaves you in a lurch for comics, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I started getting into com- into uh, prose and started publishing prose slowly um, later, you know, like in my, what, like late 20s. Um, and 
was also at the time doing a bunch of like internet type stuff, like running some internet sites and all this. Mm-hmm. And um, made a few friends, including DJ Kirkbride. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we became good friends. And he was working on the Pop Gun Anthology from Image as one of the co-editors. Yes. Uh, well, he was working yes. as the assistant editor for the first two volumes. They were moving him up to co-editor for volume three. And they needed a new assistant editor. And TJ knew that like I'd been studying to kind of maybe get my leg in for editing comics. And so they ended up giving me the gig, and that led to me and DJ writing comics together and editing comics. So, you know, if anyone doesn't like the comics, I blame DJ. That's completely fair. He's used to it. <laughs> that's uh, the beauty of collaboration. You can just yeah, totally. kind of shuffle that blame right over there. But that's kind of how it happened. You know, it's like, I've always had that, that thing of I want to tell stories. Mm-hmm. And it just, I kind of lucked into comics, like a door opened and I just happened to be fast enough to work my way in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which completely screwed up my ability to write prose for about a year. So there you go. Uh, learning and unlearning. Was it that kind of process? Yeah, I I was yeah. in the middle of a novel and I was like, I'll just write some comics. It'll be fine. And <laughs> it's a different language. I mean, it just is. Yeah. yeah. But immersing yourself in that language for you know six or so months of taking a break from prose to get all that stuff done and then going I'll just go back to this other thing nope gotta relearn that one from scratch and once you kind of at least for me once you kind of stop and relearn both of them from scratch with the other one in your head Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they both stick and you can move back and forth fairly easily but that initial burden was just nightmarish yeah yeah uh, I, I'm somebody who's written in like academic language and that's always mm. it's a weird shift to write something that you think is not academic language and then someone responds and says oh this is could you please yeah. write this so that people will want to read it and it's like what I, I'm used to <laughs> used to writing in a way that people don't want to read what are you talking about um so, <laughs> so that, yeah I, I had a gig shift. once doing some uh business writing oh yeah yeah and, you know, I, I could mimic stuff because editing. But, wow, that was destructive for like just like a couple days. Right. Of just the, how do I write stuff so that like it's not so dry I have to pour water on the page? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I will say, too, DJ Kirkbread seems like a decent, decent human. Um, never he talked is... with him. Yeah. Um, he he did a written interview for a blog. The the podcast sort of spun out of a, a blog that I did for ah. a while and continue to do. Um, so he's done a written interview. So I've emailed him, and he seems very nice by email. I you know I literally we consider each other family at this point. We've been working together for like I think it's over fifteen years now. Yeah, yeah. On one way or another. So when when he first got married, I remember the first time I met his wife. And we were actually at a convention because, you know, he lives in L.A. at the time I was living in New York. I just I had moved out to Portland not too long before. But again, we don't live in the same state. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we have seen we have spent very little time in each other's company. If you think like we've spent like 15 odd years working together. We've spent probably less than two weeks total actual time in each other's presence. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And 99 percent of actually all of that, except for one weekend, has been at cons. Um <laughs> And so, you know, he happened, his, his you know, new wife time came, Jen came up, I was at this con, and I met her, and I just looked at her, I was like, I understand, I am wife number two. Let's just get that settled right now. <laughs> because, like, she used to have to say, because, like, I, I am the person he talks to most outside of her. Yep, yeah. Like, that's, you know, I, I 
I don't know that I do anymore just because we've both been busy recently. But in general, I think I talk to DJ more than anyone else in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there's always, you know, like, oh, let's work on this thing. Let's talk about this, whatever it is. And yeah, we, we just live in each other's brains. This is good. This is good. It's good to have a like-minded individual um, and sometimes outside of a partner, too. Yeah. Uh, that's this is a nice collaboration. It, I mean, and I will say, as, as you know, learning to collaborate with him specifically because it's different with every person. Mm-hmm. You know, there were there were a bunch of years there where it was we had issues, and we had to learn how to you know talk to each other honestly and and second guess each other correctly and all that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because we're not the same person. We have very different drives. We have very different focuses in in our work. Yeah, and we've just learned how to make them additive instead of things that clash. Yeah, yeah. Um, which again, it it ends up with works that neither one of us would ever or could ever pull off solo. Yeah, yeah. That's that's always a good moment in a friendship when you sort of and a collaboration when you sort of realize, oh, I can actually ask you something, be honest, speak my mind, and we can still be friends, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, again, it took a while, like any relationship, right? Like again, like you said, like romantic or not, mm-hmm. you just you mm-hmm. have to kind of approach it from that that place of honesty and a willingness to be wrong yes um yeah. mm-hmm. and again it took a while there were there were the early days of the occasional you know uh cursing screaming phone calls those happened um <laughs> of course they did but you know no these days it it is so funny i, I love telling this the you know, where we came up with once a future queen mm-hmm. we literally were like we were ending a vehicle Nick wanted to work with us again. Uh, Frank Setwick, who lettered it, had worked on one issue of Mia Cole, but we'd been friends for a while and worked on other stuff. He wanted to work with us. And so me and DJ, you know, do what we call going into our hole and we'll find a story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we started somewhere so vastly different because that's just how we work. We just kind of go like, here's a random idea. You know, like, well, what if we had a story about a dog at a table? You know, whatever it is, just here's a thing, random. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then it just becomes this game of, well, what if this? Well, what if we add this? Well, how about this? And like two hours later, you could not get back to the root. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. Like a kind of a yes and thinking yeah. about like stand-up comedy and like, okay, now now we'll do this. Okay. Exactly. It's kind of story improv. Like yeah, I love speed. it. I love it. Um, and a lot of your stories tend to incorporate some kind of fantasy some kind of you know, oh. suspension of disbelief sort of thing um so I, I love that which is a great way to ask the question of what is yeah the fantasy thing was kind of not on purpose yeah yeah um i don't tend to read or i mean i say i don't like much and that's not really true but i tend to in my own life tend to prefer mostly science fiction stuff over mostly fantasy stuff Yes, yeah. Um, but, and I will say they're kind of conflated in my brain. So Sure, sure. I mean, um, there's a reason yeah. that, you know, science fiction fantasy, big magazine, right? Like they're Right, right. <laughs> they are at the very least, you know, siblings. Um but like we did Amelia Cole and people were like, "Oh, you guys do the fantasy stuff." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was sitting there going like, "I but no." Um <laughs> and, you know, we because doing superhero stuff say is incredibly hard outside of Marvel and DC. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There, there's not as much launch pad for it, right? And we actually we have done a superhero thing for Dark Horse, but you know, create our own thing, uh, never ending. But mm-hmm. it, it's harder to get off the ground, and so you end up in that kind of science fiction or fantasy type of place. 
and somehow we just kept ending up on the fantasy because people kind of expected it from us. Uh, and it's not yeah. like we hate it or that we're bad at it. It's just every now and then we're like, well, what if we did the science fiction thing? And it always seems to die on the vine. And I don't <laughs> know what that is. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually would rather go science fiction in a lot of cases. But but there again, like fantasy and science fiction do live together in my brain. So it's, yeah. it's that hyper, you know, just above realism kind of thing that I really appreciate. Yeah, there are within the genre, there are some very smart, like important key differences. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. that are too kind of technical and nerdy to really get into. Yes, but it's one of those. A lot of it is you know when you see it, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's funny is that when I do prose, and part of the reason I still do do prose is because I am essentially a control freak, and <laughs> so I like to be able to do prose because then it's just me versus the page. I don't answer to anyone else. Right. Right. I mean, worst case, you know, my publisher goes, "I don't actually want this book after all." Fine, that's on me. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, comics is collaboration from minute one because everything outside of the airless year, which I didn't co-write with DJ, but from the story development straight to every single phase of it, me, Valentine and Frank who worked on it, like they helped me revise the script. Mm -hmm. All three of us like will worked on the layout you know, type of like, we all had an eye on them. We didn't design them. That was all Valentine, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's comics are collaboration from second one. And I love that. But yeah. there are also times where I just need to not have to answer to anyone. Yeah. And this yeah. way I get the best of both worlds. Free reign. Yeah. But yeah. in the pro stuff, I tend to do science fiction. So uh, go figure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say I was at a bookstore earlier this week and I spend much more time in the science fiction section than the fantasy section. That's just me. I, yeah. I no, know. I feel you. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it is also just a lot of fantasy gets hung up on Tolkien's idea of high fantasy still. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And everybody and, feels like, oh, I should be Tolkien. Yeah. Right. Or at least I have to pay homage to him, right? Like, we're, we're just always going to use the same, like, six races because Tolkien used them, then DNT used them, and we're just locked into a system. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it, not that there aren't great things being done with it, right? Or yeah. around it, but it's just, it always felt to me harder to find the gems. Yeah, where with science fiction, yeah. it was easier to find the gems, at least when I was younger. So I just kind of ended up there, you know. It's just it's less mm -hmm. work. Yeah, but again, some of my favorite books are fantasy. So again, I'm I'm saying one thing and living another. I tell you, <laughs> I'm just full of lies. I, I'm with you on the dichotomies. I am. I, I at the same time that I talk about Tolkien and how people do it, I love Tolkien, love the Silmarillion, uh, love the Hobbit. And appreciate a good story that works that way too. So I, yeah. I understand. Um, now I have to back up a moment here. Before we started recording, we were talking about the nature of podcasting, and I, I made the offhand comment that there are no puppets on the show. And now I'm wondering if there should be puppets on the show. So uh, is is it true that you do a, a program, a show of some sort, and that there are puppets? Is that a the podcast I do is not video, so we don't do the puppet. Ah, okay, um, okay. But I promise you, if I ever do come back on the show, I will do video, because whenever I do video on a podcast, I just use a puppet, and like you don't see me at all; you just see a puppet. Um, ah, and again, it's not—I'm not doing a character. It's just—it's just it, I'm talking through a puppet. It's fine. I, it's normal. He it wears my hat. It's fine. It's totally normal. I've taught with a puppet before. There you go. I mean, um, 
Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the puppet itself has a weird moment in time story, which is that I was at a Rose City and I had uh, met Valentine, you know, who I eventually work with on Airless. And I mean, the man has keys to my house. We've yes. become friends, let's just say. Yes. yes. Um, but we, you know, we're just kind of getting to know each other. And we were both at Rose City. And I, I found this guy who does puppets, uh, Luna's puppets. And I was like, oh, my God, there are puppets. We should get a puppet. And we were talking to our friend uh, Jason, who runs Fezorama. If you ever need a fine velvet fez, I nice, know a guy. Nice. Um, and we said, hey, there's these puppets. And somehow we entered into this weird almost suicide pact that if one of us bought a puppet, we were all just buying puppets that weekend. And then, nice. like, it came by, like, Sunday, and we were just like, the hell with it, and all went and bought puppets. So, <laughs> that's where the puppet comes from. I love it. I think yeah. I, I just found an image online at something called Lewis and Lovecraft. Um, yes, I did it. I did interview them, the first 15 minutes of which was video. Yes. So, there is the puppet. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, and it has, the puppet has sort of a animal from the Muppets sort of vibe. Am I right bit. on that? Yeah, a little yeah. bit. You know, he's he's just very, very furry, very hairy. You know, these big eyes. Um, Luna's puppets. The uh, Raiden, the guy who owns and does the stuff, has actually worked with Ensign before. So, you know, he he does very nice work. I love it, and uh, the hat is amazing. Yeah, that is just one of well. my hats. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love it. I I think we need to have the puppet on at some point. We we can we can make that happen. But you know, my own podcast. Uh, Good Lord, that I always joke that no one should ever listen to and no one ever does. Um, <laughs> we will link it on this show. We yeah, will do that. It, it, is, it is called Destroy All Culture. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We're not subtle. Um, and these days it's just me and an old, old friend and we just watch a movie a week generally. And just yes. try to do like a bit of a weird dive into it. Nice. But we just have a list of strange, like we, we're trying not to do the like, oh, well this week here's what came out, you know. Mm-hmm. Like we just did Baron Munchausen. Because why not? I love it. Yeah, throw a little Kubrick in there. Absolutely. Yeah, is, you know, it's is, just... Sorry. No, I'll just say, like, it's just a random list. It really is at this point. Is it sort of a... Um, do you do a mystery science theater, like, sort of satire of the films? Or is it like a commentary on the history of the films? It, it's kind of a, just a discussion, kind of a free-formish discussion of uh, the production, what we thought of the film, how it works. You know, it's just... Two idiots talking about movies. Gotcha. gotcha. It, it really is not that deep or great. It's just, we used to sit around and talk about all sorts of pop culture stuff. And around the start of the pandemic, really, we started to shift to, let's just kind of discuss movies because it keeps our brains working. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we found that we were just having a lot of fun just finding weird movies from various periods of time and just, you know, sitting through them once a week. Yeah, I, I was actually <clears throat> early when I said, you know, you're a person who does prose, you're a person who yeah. does comics. I was thinking about the different ways to tell stories. And of course, one of the places my mind goes is film. Um, yeah. Do you have those desires and drives to pursue storytelling across another medium? I have played with it before. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. It is something that I'm interested in. Part of the problem is it is a different medium, and there's the learning curve all over again. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when do I have time? But, no, it's definitely on my radar. You know, the I love TV. I love movies. I think it's an incredibly fun medium, just like anything else. 
Um, you know, I, I did some, I, they were kind of produced once. I don't remember where they were. Uh, some like audio drama stuff too. It's, yeah. I, you know, I like telling story. I don't care how it happens. So, you know, yeah, no, the, the film and TV thing would be a lot of fun. It's invisible collaboration. True. Mm -hmm. That gets tricky. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of, you have to really make your peace with on some level, you're doing a thing and letting go of it for good. And someone else is going to do something terrible to it. And you just have to be okay with that. Right. Right. And hope it wins so. like an Oscar or a Razzie sure, or sure. something. You know. Yeah. 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 I Have you seen the, the Jim Carrey Showtime show? Kidding? No. There's a scene that they have that's sort of a behind the scenes thing that illustrates that perfectly where they're like panning around a room and you would think that they could do this through computers because um, technology and things. But there's this whole like crew that's running in, setting up the room, tearing it down as this camera is sort of panning around this character. I think it's Judy Greer. Um, walking through the room and it's changing over time. And watching that as a viewer, it'd be like, oh, you know, they just spliced that together. There were people, I mean, talking about that invisible collaboration that yeah. were just busting their tail to get in there. Um, they didn't really have tails. That's just a, a nice way to say <laughs> something else. Um, to get in there and, and move things around so that, you know, the it had the appearance of changing through time. And I was like, that is so cool what a what yep. like a stage play sort of approach to uh, a film set that's awesome yeah yeah just a, just a little side note there i'm yeah. not sure where that fits but um, i right again it, it's you use the tools you have right like right right i mean one of my favorite bits ever creating comics um was very early on in amelia cole and you know me and dj had written some comics nick had drawn some comics but we were all fairly new at this stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we had this panel that had been, you know, that we we saw it, you know, okay, can we work full script? And we're going, you know, here's here's Amelia, and it's kind of a sad moment. She's feeling very lonely, and she's walking away from this place. And here's going to be these two captions that kind of, you know, that her thoughts as she's going down the thing. And Nick hands in the page, and I just called DJ, just you know, no warning or anything. And I was like, so we're just cutting all the dialogue. And he was like, really? He looked at the page. He's like, yep. There's nothing like anything we do here is just going to step on the art because nice. Nick saw all of the thoughts we were putting into it and just put them into the art so well that we didn't have to do anything else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that that kind of that trust that, you know, that that amazing bit of collaboration where you could feel multiple people kind of ticking over. It's like, that's what you live for. Yeah. 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 Man, I love a good wordless page in a comic. Oh, yeah. and, and that in no way takes away from the writing. I think it's the, again, it's that collaboration of like, here's this idea and right. people take it and sort of run with it and craft it. Yeah. Um, have you, have you ever been surprised when you've written something and it comes back in visual form? Always. Yeah. I mean, just literally always when uh, me and Valentine Frank were working on airless year, one of the, the big rules that, you know, we all just kind of agreed to early on was, you know, because, again, I'll write full script and I will usually I'll say, like, you know, it, this is a five panel page and here's, you know, this panel is an, a smaller inset. And every artist, I always make sure they understand that these are nothing like how I expect the page to look. Mm -hmm. But here is a default layout that I know will work that will show you the exact pacing of the scene I have in my head. 
And that should you be rushed, should you just not be into it that moment, here's a perfectly fine layout you can use. No harm, no foul. But also, I completely expect you to see it better than me, because that's where you live. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And to do something I'm not expecting, and then I will make it work. So long as you can hold to the rhythm of it and, you know, the emotional content of it, my job is to then rewrite it and shift things around to make that all work. Because mm-hmm. it's like I could have give you a blueprint, you know, and I I get back like a jet, um, <laughs> yeah, and then I get to paint things on it sometimes, but yeah. so I mean it, it's ninety percent of the pages I've ever worked on have just been these glorious surprises of like I didn't quite see that coming, you know, and in good ways of just and sometimes it's little things like it's just the shape of a hand or you know just an eye or a mouth or just something in the background like it's these little teeny things that. I have no control over I didn't mention, I didn't call out, you know, just the artist is feeling they're building this whole world and they just, they have unlock mm-hmm. and you are just getting to enable them mm-hmm. and then reap all the benefits of getting to see it first. Love it. Love it. And then people give you the credit and then you have to untangle that and feel terrible. <laughs> right. So, and, and that's where you had to uh, say, yeah, the collaboration of the medium. Right. Well, and again, like for Airless Year specifically, because we were all each other's pockets, the actual credits for the book are by all three of us. Nice. I love it. I love it. You know, because there's no other way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So we've mentioned Amelia Cole. There's an omnibus. Um, yeah. So certainly one of the, the long form works. Are there um, particular titles or a particular title that let's say there's a listener out there that's like, I want to check out this guy's stuff. Um, any particular titles that bubble up as being sort of go-to um, introductions? If you're looking for, I mean, and the problem is because I, I say problem. I've been, I was been warned against this. I've been warned against this a number of times in my career. Um, I tend to skip around genres. Mm-hmm. I supposed to, of course, just that. work. Yeah. But a lot yeah. of people want, I like this guy's thing when he did X. I would like more of X. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you're like, that's cool. I'm over here doing Y. And they're like, but I, okay. And then they just go somewhere else. So right, right. I shouldn't do it. But, well, <laughs> um, if I just didn't do things I wasn't supposed to do. So I, I, I think, I again, like, if you're looking for comic stuff, like, Lord knows, uh, if you'd like some, like, YA, obviously, you know, Airless Year is there. It's it's. I'm incredibly proud of what we did with that book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it is and YA is deeply fun. personal, yeah. Um, for all three of us on different levels. Um, if you're, you know, again, still in the comics, you're more into like the fantasy stuff. Once a future queen, even though you know it was, we were hoping to get three volumes out of it. We got one because of the nature of the comics industry. It's still a, I, I think I'm really proud of what we did, mm-hmm. and Nick's art is so good. Um, and it was fun just playing with Arthurian legend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially me and Nick are huge Arthurian legend nerds. And DJ doesn't know it that well. <laughs> Which was a huge strength for this. Because we were doing a modern take on it. And moving oh, it yeah. forward. And we didn't want to be beholden to what had happened before. Ah, nice. So every time me, me and Nick would be like, but that's not the way it works. And DJ would be like, so? Who cares? You know, it was just like that that really, really necessary voice in the room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we got somewhere, I think, again, really interesting that I'm really proud of. Um, 
And if you're looking at pros because you're more of a pros kid, I get it. I often am. Yes. Um, I, I would say that out of all the novels I've ever written, Culture Skeleton is still my beating heart. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not not to put down anything else I've ever written. You should go give me all your money, but <laughs> like and subscribe to all of the yeah, things. There you yes. go. But mm -hmm. no, Culture Skeleton really is kind of that. That is just me on the page in a way. I don't think anything else ever has been, and I don't know if anything else ever will be. It's a little weird to realize that that book happened, just because now you're like, well, now what? You know, it's... <laughs> and I've actually written a book since, and I was just like, I still love that book. But mm -hmm. there was that thing of it, it like, am I now at that point where I'm like, I'm writing, you know, I'm, I'm creating children that I'm like, you'll do. You know, just <laughs> a little bit less to it. Nice, nice. So that that is the great Adam Nave novel that is out there. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, I, I was also going to mention, you were talking about the puppet with podcasting or videoing. There is a small part of my childhood that wants to pull in like an action figure on one of these at one point mm. and yeah. sort of podcast as though I'm an action figure. I've had that thought before I had um, the Michael Keaton, small Batman action figure from uh, the recent flash movie. And uh. I was thinking I should hold this thing up and just pretend as though it's doing the podcast. Um, so that that may happen at some point. See, I I, I would suggest the publishers because they can they they move they emote a little bit more. Say that again. You, they tend to emote a little bit more. Yes, you know, puppetry. Yep. So it just gives you a little bit of control. That's true. That's true. The the action figures. I mean, they've gotten more poseable. Thank you, Todd McFarlane, for that. Um, but yeah, the there's definitely not that kind of lip syncing that happens. Yeah. The other thing that I'll mention from our conversation so far is it's kind of a, I think it's a testament to the way my brain works because when I find someone whose work I enjoy, I always think, gosh, I wonder what it would be like if they were to write something that was like horror or romance huh. or dark romance or paranormal right. something. And so it's just interesting to think, and I get it. Like I'm a big Kurt Vonnegut fan. So I love the work that he's done right. and like cat's cradle it's not quite the same thing when I pick up like Bluebeard. I still appreciate it, but uh, I, I just I like when authors expand and, and try different yeah, genres I, and different things. The the I don't know. I, I always joke that the dirty little secret is that I got started in prose writing horror because ah. I don't like horror prose. There it is. There it is. So you I, wanted to like improve it and write no, the story? Ah, no, not at all. Ah. I just was, I felt in no way beholden to the history of it. Ah, I grew okay. up reading science fiction. Me mm -hmm. writing science fiction is suddenly the, well, but, you know, like Sturgeon touched on this in 1962 and John Brenner did this thing. and So it was just, it was so mentally hard to get clear of all my influences. Oh, Whereas yeah, horror, yeah. I could do whatever I wanted. I didn't care. Yeah. And it yeah. just broke something free. So yeah, I started off in horror, and then it was just the well. What if I did this? And I have like a few books of like just humor essays out there. I, you name a genre, I've probably either worked on it or I have a plan to. Nice, nice. Because but, I, I don't know, you, you don't, you can't cage story. No, nah, no, nah, it's it's meant to be fun and creative and exploratory. And uh, when I talking about trying to like dust off the influences, when I was a teenager, like a late teen, early twenties writer wannabe um i tried to write like david mamet 
I sure. tried to to write plays and write dialogue and do it in this mammoth style. Um, and I even tried to have a play produced at like my my local church or something. It was like the story of Job and David Mammoth form. And they were like, uh, thank you. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> I, But again, like that sort of thing is how you learn. Like right. mimicry is deathly important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, tracing the masters. Yeah. I mean, that's again, like I, I refer to it as genre math. Like I could tell, like I every project I start by doing what I call genre math, and that starts with I change up how I build individual sentences and paragraphs, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. like I have certain influences that I layer in certain orders, and like oh this needs, you know, some comedy and a little bit of horror in the tone, and okay, like how do each of those genres normally build and shape their paragraph sentence? You know, are they shorter? Are they longer? Do they have these stretches? And so you just you have to be able to talk all these languages mm -hmm. to be able to mm -hmm. put this thing together and then at least for me I figured it all out in my head and then I just start working and ignore it because it seeped into the body into the just the bones of the work yeah yeah but that kind of you know thing like that's why you mimic because it becomes a tool exactly I, I, had a, style. I had a middle school student recently asked me how do you come up with an original idea how do you come what? up with something new and I was like, well, most of the time you take something that's been done and mm -hmm. you look at it and you go, okay, how could I change this? What doesn't work? What does work? And how can I kind of make this with my own spin or part of my own story or something like that? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I, that, that's, again, that, that's the whole trick, right? Like, it, it's all the same thing. It's all, you know, style is... I, I've heard style described as the cheats you learn to use the most. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and you can't, you know, what rules you break most often and how. But first, uh, you need to learn all the rules. You need to learn where the rails are before you can jump them. And that, again, that comes from a lot of mimicking because you have to figure out what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And the best way to figure out what you're doing is to deconstruct the stuff you like. And as much as it sucks, deconstruct the stuff you hate. True. Very true. Because you want to learn why do you hate it? What about it sets you off? Mm -hmm. you know, is it just ideas? That's fine. Throw it out. But is it, you know, like, oh, the way this person uses dialogue? Cool. Learn that backwards and forwards so you never do it. Yep. Which yeah. sucks. The number of books <laughs> I, have, I have read that I just hated because yeah. they were homework. True enough. Yep. True enough. Oh. Yeah. <sighs> But I did promise you, because you'd mentioned Bill and Ted very early on. Yes, I was getting ready to say Bill and Ted. <laughs> so, yeah, me and TJ uh, knew an editor who was doing the Bill, one of the Bill and Ted books. Um, and he just reached out. He's like, do you guys want to write, like, just a backup story in this Bill and Ted miniseries? And, I mean, who's going to say no? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. it, is it the most important gig in the world? No. But I actually got to stop and be like, you know what, the next few nights, like, my homework is actually to watch Bill and Ted again. So, oh no, woe is me, my life is hard. Right, um, right. So we write this little eight-page story, we send it on, and of course, you know, with any licensed stuff, if you don't know, it has to go to your editor, and it goes from them to the licensor. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the licensor has to approve it. And then you get your notes back from both. Mm-hmm. We wrote the Spill and Ted script, and we get a note back, apparently from the licensor, that we used the word dude too many times. You can't possibly use the word dude too many times. Right. 
Um, was it dude or, or no? I'm sorry, it wasn't dude. It was whoa. Oh, and I'm like it. It's Bill and Ted. Like, it's Keanu Reeves, these? right? Like it. It really was one of these. Like just what? And so we're just sitting there, like, what do we even do about this? Like this is the most nonsense, weird note. And it was just it happened sometimes. Someone had a weird day, and mm-hmm. I told DJ just start. From, we're just going to start at panel one, and we're going to take out every third one, and we're just going to send it back. <laughs> nice. And we literally did that. We sent it back, and we get a note back, like into like, oh, this is perfect. There you go. There you it's, go. You know, I was kind of joking when I suggested it, <laughs> <laughs> but damn it, yeah, it was just it, the silliest note. Huh. But it and it makes me think. It, it just makes me pay homage. If that's the way you say that word. To yep. Keanu Reeves for taking the woe and repackaging it now for the Matrix, or not now for the Matrix. That was nineteen ninety nine. But just but, thinking about the journey of woe. Yeah, I I've never been on the Keanu can't act train, but yeah, I, I think it's people watch Bill and Ted and they stopped. And you know, he wasn't right for Dangerous Liaisons, and he was too young. Uh huh. Uh huh. But again, like you watch something, like you know, you watch Bill and Ted, you watch Point Break. He tends to play characters who are having that kind of emotionally blank moment, which makes people think that he is emotionally blank. Right. But no, it, it he's he's fascinating. But anyway, anyway, I agree. I agree. Oh, there's a Netflix comedy that he's brilliant in. He's totally brilliant in. Um, and we're thinking about it on the fly, so I have to put it in the show notes or something like that. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. But appreciation for Bill and Ted, the, the Ali Wong one. The Yes, yeah, with Ali yeah. Wong. Yes, yeah. I cannot think of the name of that thing either, but I know exactly what you. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll oh, look it up and find delightful. it in the show notes. He is. He, he is. The restaurant scene alone. Yeah, well worth it. And again, Point Break holds up. It does. Remake, it not, not necessary, but it does. True. No. <laughs> Very true. Um. So as as much as I do enjoy Keanu Reeves, he he's certainly welcome to come on the show <laughs> at some point. I mean, yeah, we we've gone well. I thought I warned you this would happen. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I'm thinking Keanu, if you're out there, uh, I will I will be glad to talk to you about Berserker. Um, but I, I I did want to make sure that we gave you the chance to mention upcoming works and um places where people can go to find out more about your work and things of that nature. And, uh, Oh, it's always be my, maybe there you go. Always you. be my, maybe. Um, so that's the Keanu Reeves last, last mention that I'll make of Keanu Reeves. Um, <laughs> so I- any other places that you'd like to share about that people can connect upcoming events, works and things um, of that nature. There's nothing coming up yet that I can talk about. There's, it's all you know, NDA. Stuff. Yeah, it's all NDA. It's all in progress stuff. It's that weird phase mm-hmm. um, where mm-hmm. there's just nothing that I'm like trying to think. I'm like, is there? No, no, no. I can't talk about that. Um, you know, hopefully by the end of the year, there'll be some news on a few things. Like it, it's that weird creative problem of like some days you end up spending like almost a year just not being able to talk about anything. And then suddenly uh-huh. there's like six things you have to talk about. And you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> could could we not the have figured pipeline. out spreading this out a little bit better? Um, but you know, I I have always tried to make myself incredibly easy to find. Um, AdamPNave.com is there. I actually still blog on it weekly. Nice, nice. Uh, God help me, I don't know why. Um, I appreciate has, that though. I, I appreciate I, that. Yeah, I mean, less and less people do, but you know, 
I've had the site in some form or another since about 98, so might as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it also has very easy links to, you know, everything I've, just about everything I've written or edited in both comics and prose. Um, so, you know, as well as links to various social media things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it all just, you know, makes it really nice and easy. Love it. Love it. I'll make sure to link the website and um, I I will not link the the name of the movie that we were talking about. Folks can find that on their own. Uh, but I but I will link the website and uh, we'll, we'll also link the podcast. I'm fascinated sure. with the podcast as well. I, I love film. My dissertation was about film, and so curious to hear your take. Oh, on we're idiots, Kubrick. So. Well, yeah, I don't think we've covered anything. Anything Kubrick. Um, we we uh, we end up in a lot of Altman holes. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Because Altman just fascinates both of us endlessly. The, the um, sprawling cast is just it, for it's one thing. The, the cast, the lack of traditional plot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just the the way he chose to record dialogue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so that it all overlaps. It just, it, there's a thing, you know, <laughs> yes. that just no one else really ever does, and people try. There's actually an unfortunate. We should talk about that after we record. There's an unfortunate movie that actually tried to kind of remake a one of his films without officially. Re- it just it did not work well for them. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, yeah. So there you go. Gotcha. That, that comes out. I mean, it. I say it comes out weekly. Um, it ends up we record it weekly. Mm-hmm. They tend to get uploaded sometimes in batches, but we try. We try. This is the podcasting blogging life, and yep. I'm impressed that you're you're keeping up with the website because. Probably ninety percent of the people that come on are like, "I have a website. I just need to get better at it." Well, um, I I'd stopped using it for years. Yeah, like there's like a blog post like every six months, and like years and years ago, I used to do it every day. Um, and then I wiped it, like everything past. I think like tw- I don't know, like I lost three quarters of it because it's been around for like so long. It was actually too heavy for WordPress. Ah, it was just actually nice. I, I hit some limit where I was having trouble loading. And so this year, I decided, like, late last year, I was just going to spend this year and do a post every week. And then at the end of the year, there's going to be kind of a, you know, status thing. Like, the end of the year, there's always a piece of free fiction around the holidays. Mm-hmm, and, like, mm-hmm. a status thing and, like, my, you know, music of the year type of thing. And I'm probably not going to do every week next year. But it'll probably be at least, like, two posts a month. Nice. Because every week has been not the easiest. I'm sure, yeah. To keep up with... On top of everything else, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. As you're talking about things that are coming up that you can't talk about yet, I'm also picturing like a board with like a code that's like you can't unlock this yet, you can't unlock this yet. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to to whatever those titles and projects. I mean, I'll tell you, like there, there's uh, a couple comic things in various stages of the works, you know, from pitching to working on pitches to in production. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and there's two different novels in various stages of work and then there's some stuff possibly for other mediums but you know that's all smoke and mirrors until it happens nice nice well adam you've been a wonderful podcast guest and i will be, deli- be delighted to have you back on 
in puppet form. Delighted to. Yes, in puppet form, in, in whatever form you choose to take. <laughs> I, uh, I trust nothing else. I owe you the puppet form now. Yeah, that's. Just... I love it. Yeah, I, I would be up for that, and I may even um, take on the the guise of like an action figure. It might Perfect. turn into like a um, an action figure talking to a puppet kind of thing. I love it. Um, yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not play with it and exactly. have some fun with it? Um, exactly. I got a great Rocketeer action figure today. As a oh, there you go. So there you go. Um, so thank you for taking some time and, and oh, talking no, thank you with for me. Asking me. This has been delightful. Uh, I I feel the same. It's been a wonderful conversation, and glad to share about your work anytime. All right. Thanks so much.